and welcome to Overinvested, a podcast about pop culture obsessions. I'm Gavia and here's my co-host Morgan. Hello. So first of all, I want to say big thank you to all of our new Patreon patrons. A bunch of people have signed up to our new crowdfunding page where, you know, you can give us like a dollar a month or three dollars or whatever. And then we give you an amazing reward in return, like many episodes, um, the first of which we'll be recording this week. So yeah, you can find us on patreon.com forward slash overinvested podcast. Um, and we will give you more information at the end of the show because you should definitely sign up. But on with this week's theme, we are talking about the Winter Olympics, the best Olympics and the weirdest Olympics because it, it involves a lot of dancing, a lot of sports that no one's ever heard of and it's all extremely dangerous. So it's like the best <laughs> type of athletics. Morgan is like a legitimate sports fan and also watches the Olympics obsessively. I am only interested in figure skating and nothing else. So this is going to be like a great little pre-Olympic podcast at the time we're recording this. This is um, Sunday night, um, the 11th. So obviously a couple of new things will have aired by the time you've, uh, you're listening to this. But the team figure skating event is currently in full swing. We've seen about two thirds of it so far. It's a completely made up event, uh, spurious, one might describe it as, but it does mean that you get like a taster of some of the top figure skaters before you see them in the real event that actually matters. Yes. Um, do we know when the team event began? Before the opening ceremony. No, 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 no. I mean, like, when they started doing it. I think it was at Sochi, because I, I remember kind yeah. of... I remember buying into the conspiracy theory that they basically introduced it in order to allow, um, what's his name, the Terminator, to get a medal. Evgeny Plushenko. Evgeny Plushenko. Yeah. Because, like, he was basically the greatest figure skater who ever lived... And he was a Russian superstar, but at that point he was like 35, he'd had a million injuries, hence the, the Terminator nickname because his spine's full of metal. And they were like, we can't put him forward as the lead. And also someone else had beaten him in, in Russian nationals, so he couldn't be the like male skater for Russia. So they were like, how about a team event where we add everyone together and then the medals are from the combined score? And then he literally physically got out onto the ice just about to compete. And then he was like, I can't do this because he was too physically injured and went off the ice again. And it was very upsetting. Yes, this is all coming back to me now. Because I don't remember this from my childhood because it wasn't a thing. Um, and but it's I literally, think... it's like also, it's a very, I mean, I say it's a fake event, but it literally doesn't make sense. Because it's kind of like a relay for figure skaters where you get scored points on like coming first, second, third, whatever in like an independent competition, but it's only open to the countries that have representatives for all four of the categories. So like men's, women's, pairs and ice dancing. So there's like 10 competitors and all the rest. I mean, of... are you so familiar like... with team gymnastics competitions? I mean, <laughs> I am not familiar with it's anything. basically <laughs> the same thing and that's extremely prestigious as well. So this is fine. Yeah. Team events are a component of the Olympics. But it's, like, I feel like this whatever. one has been really useful in the specific category that I'm into, which is men's singles figure skating. I actually don't even know that much about the others. But like men's singles <laughs> figure skating, my only sporting interest. Yeah, it turns out that basically everyone just performed astoundingly badly. <laughs> just they all fucking tanked it. And it was like, holy shit, have they all got stage fright? Um, and the actual explanation, although this also kind of counts for the other departments, but like maybe because they all were forced to get up at like four or five in the morning because they have scheduled the figure skating events in the middle of like, it's like they're at 10 a.m. Korea time, which means they have to get up at like four or five in order to like start training and shit. That is because the East Coast of the United States is more important than anywhere else in the entire world. And it has to be alive. For us. So NBC is ruining all of these skaters' figure skating schedules. And like I think the, like the women's was kind of a couple of hours later, so they had a bit of a cushion, but this was like before the Olympics had even opened. It was a day and a half before the opening ceremony or something. And they just all went out there and fucking fell over, apart from Shoma Uno, who's one of the two Japanese champions, along with the beautiful, perfect angel Yuzuru Hanyu. And he did very well. Um, but everyone else fucking just fell over and it was a disaster. And it was, oh, it was just awful, awful to watch. But everyone, see, I missed that because I was out that night. But everyone else has been mostly fine. Yeah. And they also have to get up. I mean, it's starting as early as like six in the morning in South Korea. 
And so I don't I don't buy that as an excuse for the men, I think. No, I mean, that was just a potential theory, because obviously the others are also performing at that hour. But for some reason, maybe they all just got Olympic nerves. They just all did very, very badly. (laughs) Well, they're mostly quite young. They're not, though. Patrick Chan? Well, Patrick Chan has always had issues. Yeah. I feel like we're getting very in the weeds very early in this podcast. Um, Move back to some more general topics to do with the Winter Olympics, like the presence of Mike Pence and the fact that (laughs) Russia is not a real country anymore, but totally is in a very stupid way. Okay. Why don't we talk about the opening ceremonies to to just just open the the discussion? Okay. So... I can talk about NBC also, because that is how I watch it, and I think the, not the, not everyone who listens to this podcast, but based on our statistics, the more than half people who watch this podcast are in America, so a lot of you will have watched this on NBC if you did watch it, and will also have been screaming at your televisions, as I was, about how unbelievably bad the broadcast was, and this it was all coming back to me from Rio two years ago. I was like, oh yes. I recall now what a nightmare this was, and from years past, too. So, you know, they do their, like, pageantry stuff, the country who's hosting with, you know, dance and pyrotechnics and all these things. And it was such a nightmare because the all-white commentating team said things like, in Asian cultures, every five seconds... It seemed like if you had taken a shot every time someone said, in Asian cultures, you would have been under the table in 10 minutes. Like, Wait, I swear so they to God, said it more than it was, once? Oh, absolutely. It was, all, it was continuous, yes. Blending the ancient and the modern was also a, a phrase that got used a lot. They kept talking about how much Korea loves technology. I was like, you may know that America also likes technology. You've been to, perhaps... A, any home in America, but also like Silicon Valley is kind of a a feature of America at this stage. It was unbelievable. My mother texted me and was like, what the fuck? Like, it was, (laughs) it was astounding. And then we were texting back and forth like, oh, like it was unreal. So that was sort of how America was experiencing this, which was even made even better by the fact that the kind of opening montage of the Olympics before the ceremony began, they literally said, like, when, you know, when you hear the word Korea, you might think, like, basically, like, something bad, because they clearly are freaked out that legitimately people will not watch the Olympics because it is taking place in South Korea, because they don't understand how maps work. I don't... Uh, I was losing my mind. It was astonishing. Like... It liter- they literally target this at people who they think have never under like heard of a foreign country before. That, like that's what it sounds like. I, I, unreal. And this was sort of complemented by the fact that Mike Pence was the person who got sent um, as the U.S. delegation, which is pretty standard. The vice president is usually the person who goes, and he only stood up to cheer for the American team of all of the countries. They usually stand up, unless they're, like, very old and can't do it, for everybody. <laughs> the thing is, right, like, he's a very evil and frightening man, but he's also just so absurd. Yeah, this is the He's thing. a really, because it's like, he has, yes. he has this very, he, he, you know, his whole thing is that he's very strict and serious, and he also intentionally presents himself as very strict and serious. But he's just not very smart. And also he's definitely not a diplomat. And he's, in fact, an extremely incompetent diplomat. And the only reason this doesn't get paid attention to is because everything is overshadowed by Trump's chaos machine. But it's just like a repeat of, I'm sure like most people have seen the photo of when he initially went to um, visit the DMZ between North and South Korea. And there's just this photo of him glaring at North Korea, just like glaring across the border. (laughs) And he looks sort of constipated and he's clearly trying to pose and make himself look statesmanlike and sort of like, you know, the mean conservative general you get in Hollywood blockbusters that the rebellious maverick pilot has to rebel against, you know. That is his shtick, that's his goal as a leader. Um, And he's been trying to repeat that at the Olympics. And it's just really embarrassing because he does look, he looks funny. 
because it's so clear that he's intentionally trying to perform this role and he's not good at it and it's not helping and it's in fact genuinely hindering because the whole situation with the North and South Korean blended teams is obviously dicey and very unfortunate for the South Korean women's ice hockey people because basically what they said was at almost the last moment like after the deadline for when you're meant to submit your teams to the Olympics the IOC was like okay we'll allow North Korea in so they've got like a couple of figure skaters they've got 200 creepy cheerleaders and they've got they decided they would blend the two Korean women's ice hockey teams presumably because it's like this is a low impact sport that no one cares about women's ice hockey (laughs) Um, but it meant that like the South Korean women's ice hockey team obviously had to play with people they'd literally met before who they were like weirded out by and of course they lost um, their first game but Mike Pence because he's like North Korea's bad we should just be fighting them and this isn't the right solution is literally just present for a diplomatic kind of arrangement which other people are just trying to be like okay well the whole purpose of the Olympics is just to try and be chill and do some soft diplomacy that's mostly just kind of being in the same snack bar at the same time and not getting into an argument which is like the first step in any kind of diplomatic journey you know and he's just like refusing to speak to them and he was like in the same box as the North Korean leader's wife and just didn't speak to her and it's all it's just so incompetent and frustrating sister oh sister okay yeah but but yeah he didn't speak to her and it was just astounding i mean obviously the sort of you know the international community comes together for the olympics is a fraught idea that in execution does not always come through but that is in theory what it's supposed to be about right and the idea that you would only stand for the american team is such a like slap in the face to that idea. I actually was quite angry about it. I was like, fuck you. (laughs) What is wrong with you? But it goes hand in hand with the way that NBC now covers this, which is focusing on the American athletes to the exclusion of literally anything else. And this gets back to the way um, they covered it in Rio. Obviously, this we've not seen very much of um, Pyeongchang yet. But even just from a couple days, I'm already like, oh my god, I can't. Like, this is just going to make me insane. I love the Olympics. I have watched the Olympics religiously for my entire life. And I'm sure that when I was a little kid, the broadcast also had problems that I wasn't registering. But for instance, they basically don't show medal ceremonies anymore, which is like the most fun part of the Olympics. Like, everybody cries. They get really emotional. And if they occasionally do show a medal ceremony, it is only ever for an American athlete. And they'll show like 10 seconds of it. And it's like, wh- why? So weird. I don't understand. It's also like, because also I do, to a certain extent, obviously every country is going to give a bit more coverage to their own people because like, duh, you're rooting for them and you want like oh, the human yeah, entrance stuff. But the whole, especially for the Winter Olympics, there is like very few celebrity athletes. There's a few famous athletes that people will have heard of and be like, oh yeah, here's like the cool snowboarder we all like. Everyone else is doing some fucking made up sport. They have a day job and it's like, oh, what do you do? I do the skiing event where you've got like a weird backpack. Like no no one fucking knows what that stuff is. (laughs) And like the only interest is you find, you know, it's like a dream for sports journalism because you go and find someone who has an interesting personal story and do a feature about them. The other day, Morgan linked me to the article that's all about the Indian luge guy who's now been to the Olympics like five or six times. India doesn't give him any money because they're like, you're never going to win luge. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he's just like powering through. And this is the first year he's had a coach and it's very heartwarming and he seems like a lovely man. That's the kind of material I want to learn about. You know, I'm excited to hear that the guy who was really famous at the Rio Olympics for being shirtless. And he's this is the Tongan Taekwondo guy who like came up in the in the opening ceremony just like oiled up and shirtless. People were like, We love him. And he clearly just really enjoyed the attention. So for the next two years he decided he'd become a cross country skier. So he just went to like all of these European skiing events to qualify in this sport that like is let's say not Tongan. Um, and he <laughs> now is the only representative from his country and he's come over to just be shirtless and oiled up again. And I'm sure he's not gonna win anything, but boy do we love that story. <laughs> right. Whereas, like, most of the people, like, you know, for every country, if you go and, like, oh, here's all the American athletes, they're mostly boring jocks. Well, this is the thing, is that we have, like, 250 people or something like that, right? And some of them 
are going to win gold medals or silver or bronze medals, and I'm sure they have very compelling stories. Our first gold medal was won yesterday by a 17-year-old child named Red Gerard, who won slope style. I didn't watch this event because I was out last night and stayed up until like two in the morning watching figure skating, but I had to <laughs> sacrifice something and what got skipped was slope style. But I watched him and I watched his interview afterward and he is just this like adorable child who just could not understand what had happened to him. Like he genuinely was like, what's going on? And the woman was interviewing him and she kept trying to ask him questions about what he'd been thinking and what he, you know, and his run was amazing. Like he totally, I didn't see the other people, but I've seen that event before. Like he was fantastic. And he was like, I just, I just really wanted to land my jumps. I just wanted, I just wanted to land. And, and apparently he like wished his competitor good luck before he'd gone or something. And she was asking him and he was like, well, of course, like I want everyone to do well. And I was just like, I love you. Like, you're so cute. You have terrible acne because you're 17. And so, of course, like that is, is an American kid who like, I loved seeing that interview. Like it was great. Like I recommend going and finding that and watching it and watching his run. Like it was wonderful. But they will make a point to show you American athletes who, compared to the people who are at the top, just are not any good. And it's like, if this person is like 17th place, we just don't need to see him. Yeah. Like, it what just I want matter, to know is if right? there's like one of the Norwegian curlers is like having an affair with the Swedish curler's wife. That's what I want to know. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. And it is, like, part of the fun is getting a bit jingoistic and being like, yeah, USA. Like, I, this is the only time, like, ever that I feel that way at the Olympics. But everything in moderation, right? Like, just chill out a little bit. Um, I mean, truly the best people to root for at the Winter Olympics are anyone from a country where they don't naturally have snow. Of course, Any yes. female figure skater who wears leggings instead of a mini dress. Mm-hmm. And anyone who does a sport where people die on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, just anybody. Anybody who doesn't die is a winner. It's <laughs> like, cool, job. you signed up for luge, the thing where you put yourself in a tin can, lie down on your back and go 90 miles an hour down a hill for no reason. A sport that was not created for any purpose. Sure, go ahead. <laughs> or uh, the new snowboarding event, which is called Big Air. Which what? is exactly what it sounds like, and people get injured all the fucking time. What? Because Did they're you just nuts. Jump up? It's like a big, huge slope, and they do like crazy tricks and then come down and often get hurt because it's very tall and <laughs> the fall is quite long. So, I mean, people get injured on the half pipe a lot, also. Sean White got hurt. A year or two ago, I guess. Um, I did not hear this at the time, but I was reading something about um, this snowboarding stuff recently. And, like, the, I guess our best young kid totally fucked up his knee or something, like, six months ago? Between a year and six months ago, and he's competing, he's back, because they just all get injured all the time. Because these snowboarding events, you're flying up into the air and doing a ton of twists and then coming back down, and that's not a natural thing for humans to do. I love the snowboarding stuff. That's definitely my second favorite after the figure skating. Like, I think it's so much fun. And it only it only began in 1998 at Nagano, but that was not, like, it wasn't a thing. I think all Americans won in 1998 because There's no one else... literally no one else was doing it. It's like you're just skaters. <laughs> yeah. And um, we've won 24 snowboarding medals. And it's only been going... Like, it's, it's an American-dominated sport, but much less so in the last one, and I think probably less so this time. Because basically what happened was Sean White won in 2006 and 2010 and he was so much better than everyone else that my understanding is i'm obviously not an expert in this like he basically created the sport as it currently exists and i went back and watched to depress myself for reasons that i will mention in a moment his run like i guess he got two in vancouver which i mean i remember we all were just going nuts over him 
that year. He was so good. He was the most famous person in America for two weeks. And he was just so much better than everyone else. It was insane. So in half pipe for the finals, you get two runs and whichever one is the better one is the score you get. And after his first one, he had already won. And then on the second one, he just, he just went anyway. Cause like, that's what you do. And he did this like crazy trick that he had been developing that was just like, it was just the most insane thing I'd ever seen. I need to look this and up on YouTube. You should watch it. It's fucking crazy. And I think since then, they now do more complicated stuff. But at the time, compared to what everyone else was doing, it was like he was just on another plane of existence. This is why I think they should be like less conservative about the sports they allow in. Especially for the Summer Olympics, right? Because it's like, you know, for the past few Olympics, there's always conversations about the fact that people are plateauing because with the kind of core sports, it's kind of feats of athleticism where you get to the point where like the human body has been upgraded so much that you just can't go any faster. But if you do stuff like introduce weird snowboarding stuff, you can literally be like innovating, cool, interesting new tricks. And with the Summer Olympics, that's why ballroom dance and pole dancing should both be events. I'm in. I sign. Well, they, I think there has been a lot of discussion over whether to put more X Games type stuff in the Summer Olympics. And when they put snowboarding in, it was really controversial initially because it was sort of like, well, this isn't dignified. And now it's one of the most popular events because it is so exciting it's to watch. Cool. Like, it's cool. Right. <laughs> and, and what was kind of interesting about the past few Olympics is that he was Sean White because he basically invented the sport for a while, like, he was it. And then everyone caught up to him last time, and he now is not. My understanding is, I don't know who else is competing this time, but I, he's he's not the best anymore in the same way. I'd love to um, see like a panel discussion between Sean White and Tony Hawk. I mean, I'm sure that that exists. I think he kind of mentored him, actually, if I'm remembering correctly. Because um, he, I know he did skateboarding stuff too at one point. But the Sean White situation is fascinating and depressing for other reasons, which is that he was sued, I believe, I think it was an actual lawsuit, I think two years ago, by a female bandmate. He has a band also, she's like, of course, you have a fucking band, um, for sexual harassment, which you can look up on the internet, which was very detailed and very gross and upsetting. And this has just been sort of pushed under the rug. Like, no one is talking about this. NBC certainly is not talking about this because he's their golden mm. boy. Um, and it's just really gross and awful. And um, I just find it really, I just find his whole situation really grim and kind of a microcosm of the dark side of the Olympics. Not that, like, the Olympics forced him to become a sexual harasser, of course, but probably my favorite celebrity profile ever was a profile written about him in the New York Times four years ago, which I will link to in the show notes, which obviously doesn't talk about this because it hadn't happened yet, but I think is not obsolete because it's not particularly <laughs> flattering without being, like, cruel. And... Basically, what happened was that he just got too rich and famous, and it just fucked him up real bad. Mm. And watching him in 2010 at Vancouver, when he when he did what I was just describing, which was so amazing, he still had the long hair. He just was this, like, kid who was so excited about it. And then he now, he cut his hair off, and that was when it, and that was when it all went bad. And, like, he's, he has so much money now. And in this profile, he basically is only surrounded by people who work for him. Like, it's basically just spends all his time with people who he pays. And he's just, like, a rich asshole. And it's really bleak. Like, it is just really awful. And he didn't medal in Sochi, which I think is why he's still... I think if he won the gold medal, he would not still be doing this. Um, but part of what is so complicated about the Olympics, apart from the fact that they basically destroy the city that they take place in, which is a problem, is that they happen for two weeks, everybody watches, it's so much fun, it's so inspirational, people are very excited, and then for the four years in between, like, it's really dark. It, Michael Phelps just gave a really powerful interview a couple weeks ago about how, like, he's really struggled with depression, and, like, 
suicidal thoughts, although he seems fine now. He's retired. Um, but thinking about both of them together, I was sort of like, Sean White is like the dark version of Michael Phelps. Uh, right? Yeah. Like, like literally while you were like, talking about this, I was like, Michael yeah. Phelps is the one who got out. Exactly. Because they were basically in terms of like public perception. I mean, obviously Michael Phelps is, is a superior athlete in the sense that what he... Like, I mean, Sean White is also an incredible athlete, but he was doing one thing, basically, yeah. with Michael but Phelps. But Michael Phelps I mean, is just, like, the best person who's ever lived at a particular thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, but in terms of their fame levels in the, their respective Olympics, mm-hmm. they were the equivalent figures, I would say. And Michael Phelps obviously had a really hard time with it, as anybody would have, but he seems to have managed to figure out how to deal with it in a way that I think is really admirable and sean white obviously did not yeah at all and it's just really depressing yeah Um, i mean the the four-year gap thing is just always fascinating because it's very it's like so psychologically different from being a tennis player or another solo sport because you've got the combination mm -hmm. of it being something where you've got to train rigorously all the time and you're all by yourself and also the fact that no one gives a shit about your sport except for like five minutes every four years yes it kind of ties into stuff I've like this amazing article I read a while ago talking about like women's ice hockey and the disparity where it's like men's ice hockey obviously they're all millionaires and women's ice hockey they're all living in their cars they are competing at the same standard but it's just all completely arbitrary and attention based and it's just yeah it's always really fascinating to hear about people kind of overcoming adversity and picking up a weird sport that no one's watching but I'm also just like I need more information on why people do this <laughs> well this is also one of the differences between the summer and the winter olympics right is that a lot of the big summer olympic sports like all the swimming and the track and field stuff a lot of those athletes go to college because there are certain universities in America I mean this I'm speaking from an American perspective obviously but I imagine that at least in some of the other like big Olympic producing countries, like I'm sure this is true in Australia also, they have programs. Like I know Texas has an amazing swimming program. Obviously you're like going to college. I don't think they're probably doing like a ton of academic work, but it's a structure where you are in an institution training and like you're presumably not making it. I mean, you're just getting your tuition, whatever, right? Like you're not getting paid, but your life is fine. It's fine. And then after you retire, you have to figure out what to do with yourself because most of these people are getting big endorsement deals. But, you know, if you do skeleton, right? Or luge or bobsled. It's like literally either you have to be rich or you have to be living somewhere like Norway where it's an actual sport that people do. Yes. Yeah. It's it's just, the whole thing is really interesting and then obviously the the really big sports are things like skiing which is more of a obviously you have to be rich to ski also but it's more of an established thing um although i've never cared about skiing particularly it's fine but i don't feel strongly about it um i do love the short track and the speed skating short track already did some crazy stuff there were nine people on a final race yesterday which is three more than there usually are people fall down all the time it's very exciting we have a young american girl in that whose name i'm not going to look up because i don't want to be spoiled for things but she's so enthusiastic about it she's 18 i was like i love you i hope you win something so there's i just the diversity of things that get shown i think is is really fun but this is the only time i watch them so that is the problem for all these people. Um, and it is also now one of the problems for figure skating, which did not used to be the case. Um, when I was a kid, I watched figure skating every year with my mom, my grandmother. I watched nationals. I watched the worlds. I, it was like a sport that I followed. And obviously I am not everyone, but I only watched it at the Olympics now. And viewership has steeply declined in America. And it's also, and, it's quite weird, right? Because it's like, obviously, I mean, that's because of the scoring things. The scoring system yeah. is now fucking impossible to understand because it used to be like, did you get six points? No, I got five. And now it's like 104.2. But yeah. um, it sucks really because there's a lot of really good American skaters. Like some of the top skaters in the world right now literally are American. So it, like you do have someone really easy to root for. And it's just like, well, well 
this is the thing, is that they have completely shot themselves in the foot by changing the scoring system this way. And I understand that they wanted to do something to fix it because it was so arbitrary. Um, and there was always, the judging was always fucked up. Like, there were just, it was really rigged. Um, and that was the problem. But the way they have done it now, they have just totally torpedoed the sport. And what NBC is now doing, I don't know if, if you have had to endure this, is they put up a little box in the corner of yeah, the Yeah, they have those in the BBC too, where yeah, they kind of, they tick off each element. And but it's like, they whatever. They literally tell you, like, oh, they got this many points for that element while they are still skating. And I, it, the extent to which the figure stating establishment has completely misunderstood why people actually enjoy watching figure skating is insane to me. Like, I don't, I don't know how this can be your life. And for you to just so fundamentally have missed why people care. Like, nobody watches figure skating because they really care about how many points that triple axel netted that guy but it's just not why people watch no one gives a shit like we're here for the drama right people like when they do pretty things on the ice and the nice costumes and like i'm interested in the technical stuff too like it's a part of the sport it's fine but it's just mind-boggling to me I don't understand why they've done this. And it was interesting. I watched, um, I didn't see the men the other night, but I've now seen all the other, I see the women and the pairs in the ice dancing, at least so some of the people from all of those who are doing this team event. And when I was little, I didn't like the ice dancing at all. Like I just found it really boring. And it's the hardest one to sort of evaluate quality on a minute level, because a lot of it is like, was, was there footwork on the right side of the blade? Which like, you can't. Tell if you're a lay person. But it's literally just it's ballroom dancing, so it's yeah. <laughs> right. It's fun. And like there are no there are no jumps. And so if you're like I never cared about the jumps as much when I was a kid either, but that's a concrete thing. Like if they fall, it's bad. <laughs> but recently I have definitely liked that a lot more, and I realize it's because it has been the least affected by the scoring change. Because they always had certain strict things that they had to do. Like, you have to do a step sequence. You have to do a twizzle, swirl thing, whatever. But it's all about the artistry. Like, that's the point of that, is that it's artistic. And now, because of the way the points work, so many of the top people literally are just like, I'm going to do five quads. And, like, Nathan Chen, who does five quads, I watched his um, long program from the U.S., nationals and he's incredible he's an incredible skater he's very graceful so it's not like he's just a jumping machine like say evan lysacek who no comment but the problem with being able to do five quads is that that if you land them all that places you so far ahead of anybody else that it's like well that's the end. Yeah. <laughs> and it fucks up your one. But it's like, yeah, I think we, we, yes. we did kind of talk about this quite a lot on our Euro and Ice podcast, yeah. which we will link in the show notes so we won't yeah. kind of belabor the point. But the whole quad thing is nonsense. They definitely, they were definitely at some point going to have to change it, but like they never change anything. So it will take just too long. But like, but, there's but just even... certain skaters where it's like you can tell that they're, they're just like not as good to watch in like the most simple possible artistic way but if they've got like an extra quad they're doing much better and like women now there's a couple of russian teenage girls who i think are gonna do quads soon like they're practicing quads women haven't done any quads yet in competition apart from like a couple of random people but they are still at the point where it's more kind of like gracefulness and stuff like that which like you can tell just as like without ever having seen figure skating before if you watch a bunch of female skaters and then you watch Evgenia Medvedeva it's like obviously she's better than everyone oh it's not because <laughs> she's close. it's like it's ridiculous but like do, do you know do you know the other Russian skater no I haven't seen her yet she beat Evgenia um at I Euros, heard which is really weird about it. yeah <laughs> it's this really yeah so 
kind of to recap for listeners who are not following figure skating um Evgeny Medvedev is 18 she's the world women's champion essentially she's incredibly good she's just like amazing and she also does interesting programs she actually has kind of a personality you know she's really into anime so she's done a couple of kind of anime themed performance ones and then for competition last year her main competition piece had music that had like it was from a movie about 9-11 and there was like audio of George Bush doing a speech about 9 it was very weird and her main one this year <laughs> her main one this year is about the uh the moment of death so it's like when you're <laughs> so it just looks like a beautiful classical performance but it's about it's very gothic it's just sort of it's about the moment where you kind of in your brain like your brain shuts off and you transition from life to death it's very okay like a chirpy teenage girl right it's like obviously a lot of pressure but like she seems really kind of chirpy and girly and stuff but also clearly has this very intense other side it's not terribly russian but um this year she has an immediate rival who beat her at euros and is very good as well named alina zagatova who is 15 uh, and is also doing an amazing program but i was just like there's so many russian teenagers because if you remember at the Sochi Olympics, there was this teenage girl who wowed everyone because she looked like really young and she just did this perfect performance and won a medal. It may have been gold, I don't recall. But I was like, I wonder where she is. So I looked her up. She literally retired last year. She's 19. She retired 18 because like her body was too fucked up. And like right now, Russia's doing the gymnasium situation for female figure skaters where they just have like half a dozen women who could easily be world champion any second, but most of them are just going to have to retire really early because their bodies will be destroyed and it's like don't fucking do this well and there are a lot of eating disorder issues particularly in russia but in the sport in general yeah and i believe that russian girl's name was lipnitskaya yeah yulia lipnitskaya and what happened she performed in the team competition Mm -hmm. and they won gold and then she fucked up the individual because she was just nerves and I believe she had an eating disorder. I, there was a big article about this in the New York Times. Um, and I think that that was why she retired. I mean, this is all connected to all of the just like pressures and dysfunction in the Russian figure skating establishment. And the gender bullshit for figure skating in general. I mean, of course, it's not like they're the yeah. only people with problems at all. But it was pretty disturbing to read. The Russian skaters in particular are, like, very skinny. The, oh my god, on the broadcast they were talking about the Japanese um, female skater who was skating in the team competition and kind of jovially being like, she's such an overachiever that her team has to watch what she, like, eats. And I was like, oh no, like, this is not funny at all. And like, it's also, uh... just don't, it's not appropriate to talk about on commentating because it's just like they were fucking teenagers and some man just talking about that yeah. stuff on TV. It's like they have enough pressure. If they do have an eating disorder, we don't fucking know. We don't know their lives. But also it's like not something you need to have more attention drawn to if you've not like decided to speak about it in public. So it's just like, oh God. Yeah, it's really upsetting. So figure skating is to form, basically, is my take yeah. on this. But we can give you some viewing advice for when the real competition comes. Who to look yes. out for. Indeed. Um, for ice dancing, there is one answer for this, because I can tell you who's going to win the gold medal, and that is Fessenor. She was got Moyer? 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 I, anyway. I, don't, I think it's Moyer, but like, they are yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, Moyer, I think. It's, there's no, they will win. There's no, it, it's the answer. There's, I mean, there's they no actually have, they have direct rivals who are the French ice dancing pair who are like between between those two couples they win everything but like this just means the french pair is going to come second and everyone else is competing for third place <laughs> i mean i watched i don't remember the french pair from last night but i'm sure that they skated because the french team was skating and there were a number of teams who were like pretty good and i'm sure the french team was one of them and, um, I mean, they've literally beaten Tessa Virtue was, and Scott Moore before. They are, like, their direct rivals. Yeah, but what I saw last night, it was not close. Like, so, Richard Moyer have been um, 
around. They've been skating together for 20 years. Which is nuts. And, and they're incredible. Yeah. And they are just incredible. They won in Vancouver, and then they got silver at Sochi, which was, like, shocking. But the American team won that year, which was, it was not surprising that they won, but it was just sort of, like, what Virgil Moyer have lost. And I just went back and rewatched those programs also, and I will link to the Americans, which was um, Merrill, Merrill Davis and Charlie White. I think I'm not mixing up their last names. And if you haven't seen that, or even if you did see it at the time and haven't seen it since, you should watch it again. I actually kind of regret watching it, though, because nothing that will happen in the next two weeks is going to come close to that. It was absolutely the highlight of that Olympics. And watching it again, I was just like, this is so much better than anything anyone has done. Like, I rewatched, sorry that I rewatched Virtue Moyer's gold medal winning and silver medal winning performances and they're so good and compared to the the Americans I was like well but they're not as good as this they did they did Shahrazad the Americans and it actually had like a story it was just so beautiful the and then Charlie White when he's not skating and like emoting beautifully is like a bro (laughs) it's really great he seems like a really nice guy but he's definitely like kind of a bro um but they retired so because they won, and we're like, we're done now. Um, so there, it's basically no competition. So watch for that, because when ice dancing is good, it's really, really good. And their short program is to uh, a series, I believe, of Eagles songs. And they were the only team I saw who were actually like very sexy, which ice dancing should be. And I was like, good, good job, correct. Very enjoyable. Which is like, um, I know it's a basic bitch opinion, right? But siblings shouldn't skate together. Oh my god! Oh my it's god! It's weird. The American ice dancing team is pair of siblings. Shibatani's. And oh my god! I can't deal with it. I I do not approve. I this is I I have no leeway. But on also this. the thing is like, right that like nope. occasionally so I think it was maybe I think it was maybe the Italian ice dancers had a routine that was just like. You because most of the routines obviously are to a certain extent romantic because it's ballroom dancing and some of them are sexier than others but they basically are couples dancing right which is why yes. there's so many jokes about the sibling thing because it's weird and incesty but the Italian team who are not siblings did a totally like platonic couple one and it's just like when you're siblings why don't they do ones that are like really abstract instead of doing ballroom dancing because whenever it's ballroom dancing you're just like I know I shouldn't think it's weird but it is weird. So why not just, why not experiment a little with the form and not be fucking foxtrotting around? Do like something where you're like, oh, we represent planets or something. Come on. Generally speaking, whenever there are siblings, I'm just like, no. I love that whole subplot of Muriel and I, I was like, this is accurate. Like, I, good reading of the room. The guy is too obsessed with this. Why don't you talk about the men? Which, which men should we look out for? <laughs> that's your specialty. My only specialty. Yeah, well, yeah. obviously... We should all be rooting for Izuru Hanyu, who is a wonderful angel, but has had a lot of injuries recently. Um, he's the Japanese champion, and he wasn't like wasn't great this season because he had to drop out of a bunch of competitions. But he's coming in at the last moment. He's like he's not competing in the team event. They've got Shoma Uno instead, who also is amazing. So you should look out for Shoma Uno. He's like the much younger Japanese skater who just crushed everyone else. If you like fun, you should watch um, Javier Fernandez, who is by far the best performer. Like him and Yuzuru Hanyu are the two who are just like genuinely super entertaining and have loads of personality. Um, and Javier Fernandez is like, it's like watching kind of a classic old school musical, like you're watching Singing in the Rain or something. He also has been world champion a couple of times, but he had like a patchy season. So I have no idea how he's going to do. Um, yeah, the Americans. Nathan Chen is amazing. Um, we did talk about how he's a quad monster, which he is, but he combines that with being actually legitimately really cool to watch. Yeah. Um, so, him. And there's the thing is, like, it's a really strong kind of competitive season this year. Where there's a bunch of really good skaters, but those are the interesting ones. Um, the Russian guy, or the the competitor from the imaginary nation of Russia, um, <laughs> Mikhail Thingy, is just like, he looks kind of like Draco Malfoy he's always deadly serious but he's not actually that interesting in my opinion because he's just doing like really classical routines but yeah yes. root for you zero 
I'm rooting for Nathan Chen because I'm an American. He's I mean, really Nathan Chen is amazing. I'm just really one. sad that he cut his hair because he used to have these amazing curls and he's cut I them know. off and it's appalling. It's shocking. And it's like, now you just look like a jock. <laughs> I know. It's really sad. Oh, it's no. Really how, could, how could I miss Adam Rippon? Of course. Obviously I amazing. Because there was actually three men from, from America and there was like Vincent Zhu, who's very good, but he's a baby. So he's could do anything he might just like fall over and panic which is fine because he's a baby and he has other chances adam ripon he is this is like the last time he will be like competing in the olympics he may retire at the end of this season but he's having hella fun because he is literally in the middle of a feud with mike pence and he is 100 percent winning the feud it's amazing because adam ripon is gay i mean as in he's actually come out rather than being in the closet like most most athletes and he's also doing like one of his his programs are really great because in figure skating you have like a short program and a long program and his short program is like a horny club kid performance and it's amazing because like everyone else is doing like Tchaikovsky and he's just coming in there with this like heavy bass beat and it's amazing <laughs> and then his long program is just like really classic and you know Tchaikovsky-ish so it's like good balance well done yes. I think it might be Coldplay but you know it's in that general field but um it is Coldplay yeah. I've seen it uh, yeah <laughs> um but he's wonderful. He's probably not going to win a medal, but he's just great. And he's also having the time of his life. And it's like, that's what's important. <laughs> I believe there are two out, yeah, uh, at least male athletes on the US team. And they took photos yeah. together. There was like was a like... hunky skier. <laughs> he like made some comment that was like wonderfully indirect to the press where he was like, well, you know, I'm, I I wouldn't go out of my way to meet Mike Pence, uh, basically, obviously because Mike Pence is a homophobe and he was like, well, you know, it doesn't, not doing anything for my people sort of thing. And then Mike Pence felt the need to try and tackle this by doing like a dumb tweet and like making a statement about being like, oh, I support all of my athletes. And it's like, you fucking don't, you don't, you can't be like, oh, I'm not a homophobe. It's like, you can't tweet to Adam Rippon. So but he just also can't like articulate that level of shadiness in a public forum because he's just a conservative old like man who's been carved out of teak. So <laughs> Adam is 100% winning this. He is looking great and he is in the small number of people who cannot be immediately harmed by the administration because he's literally on a, the world stage representing the USA. So Mike Pence has to just sit there, grit his teeth and fucking support him. And it's like, thank yep, you. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's great. So that's fun. The American women... So Mariah Nagasu is great, very yes. impressive. There's another girl. There's two other girls. Yes, but the one who was who I saw last night. Brady Tanell. I was gonna say Brady something. I'd literally never heard of her. No one had ever heard of her until she suddenly won nationals. And I watched her program last night, and I almost fell asleep. So fucking boring. She nailed all of her jumps, and there were many jumps. And I have almost never... She's 18. She's very young. I mean, obviously, lots of the girls are very young. She just seems very young. She seems very sweet. I have rarely seen a program with that little artistry. It was like she didn't know what to do with herself on the ice in between the jumps. But because of the new scoring system, that's all that matters. I mean, I... Oh, my God. I was just... It's not literally all that matters, obviously, because she didn't in first right but it was dire like i was really like oh, this is the best we can do <laughs> oh my god so that was kind of a disappointment i don't know anything about the third woman because she didn't go last night you will see more of her um the russians we already talked about obviously very good i don't know so much about the rest of the field yet um Unikim retired, so... Yeah. There's a reasonably good um, South Korean female figure skater who seems nice and... Yeah, she, she did a very good job. Yeah. Unikim um, was, like, the best skater in the world and also lovely and we wish her all the best. And she retired and is hopefully hopefully just extremely rich because she had a lot of celebrity endorsement deals because she was a wonderful princess. And I just wish her... I just wish her to have a happy life. Yes. I, I hope so, too. She has a lot of money. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I had completely erased from my memory that she didn't win at Sochi. I found this out again recently yeah. that she came in second. But it's, and I it's, was like, like, oh, yeah. it's like when there's like uh, the Oscars when it like when like someone just wins best picture and then everyone else misremembers that someone else won it because they deserved it. Yeah. Kim won in our hearts. Yeah, it was that was the big judging scandal. There's always one. So I look forward to seeing what the 
scandalous this time because they can't, even with the new system, they always manage to have something that goes wrong. And it was the women. Well, I think it was like, I think it may have been in the women last night. It's like the Japanese skater got marked way down, but literally did every single one of her components correctly. And it was like, why? So. (laughs) I I don't know. Um, But I believe a Russian woman won last time and everyone of course was like again <laughs> like they've done it again oh my god because of course the, the back in the day the russians used to the judges. um but yeah it's it's sad she's not here anymore but she she had her time but the woman is a bit less exciting in her absence but that is amazing so that would be good i don't know anything like paris so i i don't know what to they were not very impressive when I watched them today, as a whole. So well, there's Megan so, Duhamel and um, what's what's his name? Who's her partner? And they're good. Which country are they from? Canada. Yes, they were pretty good. They fucked something up. Okay. And everyone was like, "Oh," <laughs> but otherwise yeah. they were quite. And, good. and also, it's like were very fun. Um. Oh, I just looked him up. So her partner's Eric Radford, but he's literally like twice her height. So they can do all these moves where he, she's like under his leg and stuff because he's just yes. like a giant. <laughs> That's always fun. Um, so yeah, we're very excited for the Olympics. I'm sure we'll we'll have more to say at some point. But I hope you all enjoy the figure skating and whatever other sports you may have particular interest in. Please let us know what you think. We are very happy to chat about the Olympics at any time. Yeah. Me especially. We have an email um, now. So you can email us at overbestpodcast at gmail.com. Indeed. Just to remind you, if you would like to hear our mini episodes or get any other extra content from us, you can now do so at our Patreon, which you can find at www.patreon.com slash overinvestedpodcast. We will also have a link in the show notes to that. Thank you so much to everyone who has already signed up. We are very grateful to you and very excited to produce some stuff for you so that will be coming very soon and otherwise you can find us at overinvestedpodcast.com on twitter at overinvestedpod or on tumblr at overinvestedpodcast thanks bye